Oh my gosh, it stars Rosie O'Donnell. I sure hope that she wasn't in those sex scenes. Where should I put it? <laughs> that's what she said. <laughs> Thomas, that's inappropriate. <laughs> Unlike everything else on this podcast. Now the story of an eclectic fan base who lost touch with reality and the one podcast that somehow holds them all together. It's the Substandard Expanded Universe. Welcome to another episode of the SSEU podcast. You know how the commentary podcast gives you insights on daily happenings in politics from the swanky offices of Commentary Magazine in DC? Or how the hosts of Glop, from behind their microphones on both coasts, discuss old TV shows that only people over the age of 60 have even heard of? Or how the Sub Beacon, formerly known as the Substandard, reward us with insights on pop culture directly from the swamp every week? Here at the SSEU podcast, we will have none of that. We believe in making podcasts great again, and that is why we bring you heated arguments about restaurants, poetry, counting, and garbage opinions straight from the heartland. We guarantee you that this is the only podcast where you will hear a pirate praise Thor Ragnarok as the best movie of 2017. We will give you lady lawyers, an assortment of priests, and brackets on topics diverse as Disney and sit-down restaurants. You can find our entire podcast archive on sseupodcast.com. Com. I am, as always, joined by Chris and Ryan. Hello, guys. Thomas. One. Oh, I thought we were going to come at the same time. <laughs> I know I said we were going to do that, but uh, yeah, I wanted to make you look stupid. Again. You know what we always say, Mpuga, make podcasts great again. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's going to catch on, I'm telling you. It will soon be on hacks everywhere. Um, always saying that. Ryan, how was uh, South by Southwest? Is South uh, by Southwest? Is it still going on? Yeah, I mean, Ryan, still, you wrote up that giant. On. You wrote up that big grant to get funding to go. You <laughs> took up all of our VC money. Yeah, and I definitely used that to go South by Southwest. Um, so did you go to Thomas's Bay, uh, Alexandria Ocasio Cortez's Q and A? Yeah, I did. I definitely did that. I definitely did a lot of other really productive things for the show with that money. <laughs> I don't know how much of an in-depth report you were expecting. You know, there were people that were like <laughs> saying stuff and I was hearing them say the stuff and then I saw other people watching them and R- Ryan, ha- had you had you ever been to had, had you ever been to South by Southwest before? 6 or 7 years ago, but I uh, wasn't going as a patron i uh wanted to make some extra money and so i decided that i was going to be try out being a pedicab driver and the pedicabs are those those bikes with you know seats in the back and there's three seats basically in the back of this full-size bicycle and i was told that during events like austin city limits or south by southwest people could make you know like a thousand dollars a night the way it works is the the, the company that owns the bikes, they charge you 40 or $50 to use the bike for the night, and then you get to keep anything you make on top of that. And so you get tips. The normal, I can't even remember what the, just like the normal ride rate was, but you basically just, the, the person told you where they want to go, and you said, okay, I'll do it for this much. And is then it, they is would, it cheap? Expensive? Uh, no, it's like, like if they wanted to go, like, you know, if they wanted to go half a mile, I would probably, I think I told would tell people like between 10 and 15 dollars you know for the for two people you know so it's not bad it saves them i don't know 15 20 minutes of walking Uh, the training was you get there 30 minutes before you start they have you get on this bike with these seats on the back of it ride it around the block if you can do that okay and they say okay you're good to go and so then you start riding over towards the venue the place the warehouse where the bikes were kept was probably a mile or a mile and a half from the venue and so as i started getting closer people had parked and were walking towards the venue first these two ladies asked me oh can you take us wherever and it was a pre- it was mostly downhill it was only a couple minutes and it was pretty easy and so i took them dropped them off and i was thinking oh this is gonna be easy i'm gonna make a ton of money doing this 
I got a couple more rides, like a single and a double. I was starting to get very, uh, very winded. My legs started feeling like jello. And then these three people told me that they wanted to go to this one bar. I don't even remember the name of it. But at the time when I told them yes, I did not realize it was going to be uphill almost the whole way. I, you know, at that point I was sweating. I was completely soaked in sweat. Um, I did not prepare physically for this in any way at all. Like I played, I think at the time I was like playing basketball a couple times a week for my workout and that was it. These three people who are above average sized people (laughs) get in and I'm like, all right, let's do this. I start going. I mean, we don't even get 200 feet and my legs start cramping up. So the first time my, my calf just completely cramps and I just pull off and stop and just kind of stretch it out. I'm like, oh, I'm fine. I'm fine. Like, Are you okay? Are you okay? Yeah. No, I'm fine. I'm fine. <laughs> I start going again. <laughs> Both legs start cramping up. I keep trying to go for, you know, a couple more minutes. I, I kept stopping and trying to go and then finally i just <laughs> say i'm sorry you guys are gonna have to get out <laughs> so, so what so i they're, they're I like I, I they got they walked off kind of just like laughing i don't know you know if they were <laughs> they're like, like are we on a tv show like, yeah i don't know if they were like <laughs> where's the hit me or like embarrassed for me but at the i know that i did not care i got off the bike laid in the grass for I don't know how long. What? what? <laughs> I got back up. I got back up. I drank some water. I couldn't even, I had to stop just, and I was just like, I'm, I'm done. I'm so done. And I'm right. I just riding back to the warehouse. I couldn't even make it back without cramping up on the way back, just riding it with nobody in it. And by, by the end I had to get off and I was just pushing this bike back to the warehouse so what's the i'm gonna ask you how far how far was it back to the warehouse it was you know a mile and a half or so you know it's an empty bike and i couldn't even ride it i couldn't even ride it back yeah i had eventually just had to get up and push it back and uh so did not even make the 40 or 50 dollars back whatever the price to, to use it for the night was but the guy, the ro- rose is like the guy how much did you make babe and they didn't you're like yeah. Minus ten dollars. <laughs> well, he he was just like he just saw me, and I was just like, yeah, I only made thirty bucks or whatever it was, and he was just like, just keep it. I mean, there were like old men that were that been doing it for years, and I mean, and they didn't even look like they were in that great of shape. How, but how their, did it their make calves, you feel? Their calves were like, you know, the size of cinder blocks. <laughs> And, and so they, they could ride that, that like they just trained their leg muscles that they could just ride that, that bike around forever. And, and, and they didn't they, even have to stop and lie down in the grass. No, they, I was as far as I know, I was the only one that was uh, taking hour long breaks. <laughs> lying in the grass. <laughs> so, uh, Chris, how did you celebrate International Lady Day? I celebrate the ladies in my life and all their ladydom. Was that a good answer? That's what, I, what what did you do, Thomas? Yesterday, uh, I went out to a bar, and uh, yeah, we don't have to talk about that. Um, so, <coughs> <laughs> how are you guys dealing with the time change? Since you guys apparently do that, isn't that? I've, I've heard that it is terrible when you have kids. Uh, yeah, I think tomorrow is might be kind of rough. We'll see. What's what's terrible is the honestly is the fall one because. You convince yourself you get an extra hour of sleep, but when you have children, you don't because they're getting up at the same time. Yeah, they don't yeah. care. Yeah, they're they're waking they're, up early, whatever. They're not looking at the clock and saying, oh, I guess it's time to stay in bed. Tomorrow's still going to suck. For and, and it's not even Lady Day. We have a few things that we want to talk about today. Uh, should we start with the mailbox? I believe that Chris asked for submissions. Did we get any emails? We did. Who wants to read them? First one was from Timothy Lewis. No idea who that is. <laughs> Question. When will you have Stephen back on to discuss the new modern classic, Little Italy? Um, is, is this becoming a thing? Is Little Italy becoming, like, is this an SSEU thing now? I, I, it seems like a lot of them have watched it. Uh, I ha- have I they, yet. or has just Stephen watched it? <laughs> Now, I know that more than just him were talking okay. about it. I don't know. This must have been a few weeks ago. 
in the mega thread. But I mean, uh, the way he talked about it made me really want to watch it. And then just looking at the movie art, <laughs> just looking at that the movie poster made me really not want to watch it. This is Hayden Christensen, and um, I assume that there's a lady actor too. Yep, there he, is. Hayden Christensen with hair that is painted black. It looks like. All right, <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, Tim. Like, we, I want the gabagool. That's <laughs> <laughs> what he sounds like. On and, and it's Little Italy in Canada. It's not even Little Italy, New York. It's Little Italy, Canada. You've got what, to be kidding me. Toronto. No. Yeah, I, I guess. I don't think that's a thing. But that's that's where the movie is set, in Canada. We received another email from uh, Spooky. Uh, should I read this? I can read this. Yeah, yeah, read um, it. Can you please stop sending these damn vultures to follow me around as though I am going? I was going to drop dead? I gave you a great review on iTunes already, and they almost scooped up my dog last week. And please stop stealing stool samples from my toilet. It's freaking my kids out. My wife is strangely okay with it, but she's a nurse and is used to it. Sincerely, Spooky. So here's the thing, Spooky. Um, believe it or not, our vultures aren't quite intelligent enough to match your Twitter handle to your person. So they're they're going to keep following you. And plus, um, we, we could tell them whatever we want. They don't listen to us. They, they don't listen at all. So um, just best of luck. Uh, I The best thing you could do is just cover yourself in tuna fish and lie out in your yard. And also, if they take your dog, dogs are stupid, so you're welcome. <laughs> uh, if you have an, an email, or a comment, or a question, you know, you, you are welcome to email us at, Chris, what's the email address? SSEUpod at gmail.com. You want life advice, like, you know, how to get nine months out of your three-month quit battery? I'll, I'll help you out. <laughs> if you want to find out how to, how to successfully... <laughs> Slip on your steps, uh, <laughs> step on a toy, and fall on your spine without breaking it. Ask Ryan, and yeah. he'll tell you. <laughs> because he just did that. Yes. Ryan, do you have a movie quote today? Uh, yes, I do. Let's have it. Is Marvel really your surname? No, it's my she-name. And that's <laughs> Captain Marvel to you. <laughs> that was... Samuel L. Jackson and Brie Larson in Captain Marvel. Brie Larson delivering it with, you know, all the charisma in the world. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Thomas, make a joke about telling Brie Larson to smile. I, I wouldn't do that. What makes you think I would do that? Doesn't sound like I have no say. idea. That does not sound like you. No, exactly. Is she Jewish? I don't want to try to connect that. So you just hate Jews now. Okay, I got it. Ryan, are your boys excited to see Captain Marvel? Mm, they haven't mentioned it. I- I'm inclined to believe that Captain Marvel is crap just on the, on the basis that uh, both Ming and Tyson uh, like it. I have a feeling that it's pretty vanilla and pretty just whatever. Because she is white? And, I mean, yeah. <laughs> I, I just, I have a feeling it doesn't deserve this much hatred or love. You know, yeah, yeah. either side, they're both, like, being ridiculous. Right, like, no, no, it doesn't. It, it's just because people are using it as some sort of social justice or political prop on both sides of the aisle, yeah. and it gets more attention than it fucking deserves, because yeah. it's a piece of shit Marvel superhero movie. Yeah, I have what's a feeling it's just, like, you know, a low-tier Marvel movie. What's crazy is there there are a lot of alt-right personalities who are very invested in this movie failing, because it's yeah. a lady movie. Right. I, I'm shocked that anyone thought a Marvel movie at this stage in the game would be a financial failure. Black Panther and Wonder Woman were such wild successes as kind of... Um, they've been kind of picked up. People are seeing it three and four and five times because it's the right thing to do. Yeah, G- guess, guess, guess what? How much it opened to worldwide? Word worldwide. One seventy. No, no, no. It opened like one. Oh, worldwide. Wo- one. It's like three, three something worldwide. Four hundred and fifty-five million worldwide. <laughs> wow. That's... So it's gonna make what like. 1.2, 1.3 billion, like worldwide, yeah. worldwide. 
It, it's it's been out for what four five days now, and it's almost yeah. made half a billion. Whew. Why did? Here's the thing though. Like the, I could see it. Those... I could see it basically doubling that in the rest of its run. Like I have to. I have to believe it's going to drop off quite a bit after the initial. You know, everybody who wants to make a statement by seeing it sees it two or three times in these first four or five days. Then after that, it's gonna just have like a normal Marvel movie life, probably. There aren't that many Marvel movies a year. It's gonna be this, uh, Endgame, and Spider-Man field trip, yeah. whatever Europe trip. So, do you think Captain Marvel can do as well as Black Panther? So, Black Panther made about one point three five billion worldwide. Uh, no, see, I think it'll US? be just just a little bit less than that. So. I, I would I think probably like more like 1.1 or maybe just barely over a billion like it's gonna they're gonna make sure it crosses you know they'll they'll keep it out however long they have to <laughs> to make sure it makes a billion um, but I, yeah it probably just a little bit less than Black Panther is what I think we we also decided that we should actually watch uh, a movie for for the show and uh, then briefly talk a little bit about our impressions of it. So um, who wants to introduce it, uh, Chris? Uh, what what movie did we watch? Well, sure, yeah, we we wanted to take uh, a movie that just had a lot of relevance for <laughs> what's going on today. A, a, a movie that's really current. Um, a movie that just kind of really moved the needle when it came out. Taking um, on the, the tough subjects. Taking on the tough subjects, absolutely. Uh, just wrestling with, yeah, just the issues of our day. So, I mean, you know no, nobody's tried to – I mean, people have built some tall buildings, but no one has built a really tall building. So we decided <laughs> to watch Skyscraper. And, uh, gentlemen, w- what did you think? Flag, I'm saying this right out of the gate. This movie is trash. Now we can now talk about it, uh, Ryan. Yeah, definitely, it's trash. <laughs> but this is some really <laughs> in-depth uh, review. It's not. I thought it was going to be so trashy that it was kind of fun to laugh at. But it was in that terrible middle part to where I don't know. I just found it boring. <laughs> um, I don't know. I don't know what you guys. Think. No. So so do, so do we do we want to do a big boy review? Yeah, Chris, do you have a big boy review? Sure, I'll do a big boy review. Um, this review is is of course going to be riddled with spoilers. Right. Um, so if you are if you're one of those people out there dying to to watch Skyscraper, which is on HBO right now, you turn turn this off. Yeah, yeah you're gonna off. be you're gonna be shocked that The Rock <laughs> saves the day. You're gonna be shocked that they built a big skyscraper. <laughs> so anyway, so The Rock, the movie opens. The Rock is. FBI or special forces yeah, or what something. kind of what kind of it's... FBI unit is that <laughs> military <laughs> uniforms some kind of amphibious assault FBI unit I okay it, and it was kind Whatever. of FBI slash military yeah. it was very like uh, kind of a combination of two guys and this is this is this is the really really rare movie where so um did you guys catch uh, where the opening scene took place? In the uh, snow. <laughs> yeah. In the I'll, snow. Uh, in a place called Ash Lake, Minnesota. Um, it's not very often that a movie takes place where I'm from, but that is 15 minutes from my childhood home. And, um, and, 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 and hold on. So in this... In this place, in the in middle this, of freaking in nowhere. In the middle of nowhere, and this dad has been on you know this rampage holding his family hostage for how long that they've been able to assemble, you know, uh, apparently some kind of uh, elite FBI uh, right. SEAL team and yes. uh, get them in place. Is, to that's where they're, exactly what it is. It's an FBI. They, they were there before the snow started because they were under the snow. Right, right. <laughs> they came up from under the snow. So, yeah, so I'm sorry. This this is kind of uh, a preface to the Big Boy Review, but... Um, but but hang on. Let me go back to let me go back to that. How did they get under the? How did that happen? Did they just uh, 
they just were out there and laid down and this, the guys, guys just hey they guys just lay down dug, we're gonna brush some snow over get, you get some get some get some shovels let's bury these guys in the snow like this isn't he's not gonna look out the front he's not gonna look out the front and see what's going on out here he did that all the time growing up <laughs> but so so anyway th- this is an extreme northern minnesota this is we're talking like 40 miles from the canadian border um there is a whole lot of nothing up there but lakes and trees. The The school that I went to um, is, has closed since I graduated and merged with a, re, uh, a, a town nearby. This is a very remote area, and there were like 30 cop cars out there. <laughs> this a- area the size of Rhode Island probably has about three state patrol – state patrol troopers um patrolling the area so like the it was very humorous to me to see like all this stuff up there that it would take like a day to to get those people up from from the yeah. twin cities and yeah especially and, yeah. in that snow yeah yeah did, did so, you look up if it was actually actually shot in minnesota that scene like there, there's snow and trees that's probably closer to hollywood so um i i highly doubt that it was it was filmed there <laughs> But so anyway, um, it, it opens uh, the, the whole point of the opening of the movie is to show um, the rocks past and show that he kind of had a slight. I, I don't know if I'd call it a failure of leadership, but um, he gets injured. Um, he loses his leg. Um, he gets some scarring on his body. And, and I'm sure members of his unit um, get injured as well. Um, but it's kind of this trauma in his life. Um, and it, I think there's probably a sense of failure there. Um, that, that he didn't protect his guys and he failed in this Which, mission. Right. And then he, he didn't, quits. He didn't predict the yeah the, 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 guy the guy holding his family hostage had a suicide vest on in Minnesota. <laughs> like, yeah. Why was he so, supposed to even think that that was? Anyway. It was a very elaborate setup. To, and so as he's going into surgery, he looks up and he sees the 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 face of Nev Campbell, who he ends up marrying and, and having two. Uh, beautiful children with um, uh, twins, and um, the next thing we know, he's in Hong Kong, where a the band surgeon would have saved his leg. <laughs> <laughs> Ryan, that is not something you ought to say this close to Lady Day. Uh, <laughs> next thing you know, uh, they're they're in in this lavish apartment in in Hong Kong in this tower where uh, the Rock is. Uh, you see him put his prosthetic leg on. Um, and it's, it is kind of interesting to see The Rock kind of physically um, not dominating. So he's still big, but, like, he, he kind of limps. He can't run. Um, yeah, but so he can still, like, fight. And nah, we'll, we'll, we'll get there. We'll like, get there. We'll get there. So uh, the, 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 so he's going over the, the, the uh, security of this building in order to make sure that it can be insured. So uh, the, the whole opening of this movie, they, they race through it because they want to get to the meat of the movie, which is basically the, the takeover of this building's systems uh, by essentially – what would you call this person? A terrorist? An extortionist? But someone takes over uh, all the systems of the building, um, sets a fire halfway up, and turns off the fire suppression systems, and the fire just climbs up the building. The, 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 the twist is that The Rock's wife and two children uh, weren't supposed to be in the building. They were supposed to have gone out to the zoo, but the son got sick. If he wouldn't have been weak, he would have <laughs> None of this would have happened, um, but uh, they're, they're trapped in the building, so The Rock realizes he has to go in and save them, and surprise, he does. Thus ends the big boy review. Thomas, I want to hear your take first. Tell me why this movie's garbage. It, it, ha- it has... There is nothing exciting about this. You can no. predict every scene based on the scene <laughs> that comes before. You can predict the entire goddamn well, plot. And, and like, you, you can predict the climax of the movie. Like, the very <laughs> beginning... Um, the, so this movie... Yeah. Ha- or this building has this this sphere at the top. It's mm-hmm. a top secret. And so at the very beginning, the owner of the building brings the rock in there <laughs> and shows him that it's filled with, like... like <laughs> it's so dumb. <laughs> it's, it's filled with like high def TVs, and so like when you're in there, it like reflects. And you can't see. He's like he's looking at the owner of the building. He's like, and the owner of the building's like, uh, I'm over here because it's not clear where people <laughs> yeah, are standing. You're like, yeah, there's that's 50 where they're of gonna them. have. That's where they're gonna have the climax of the movie. Right. Yeah. In that, yeah. Yeah. Like you know that yeah. right away. Yeah. The Rock can't figure it out when he's in there, but somehow 
in the 30 seconds that he's in there, he masters it enough to be able to figure out, you know, exactly where the bad guy is at the end and where he needs to be. Because, like, the rock at the end, he's, a, he, he's talking to the bad guy. The bad guy thinks the rock is in front of him. But the last thing he says is, oh, and another thing, I'm behind you. But how does the rock, how is the rock sure that he's looking at the, because there would have been, you know, a hundred different reflections of the bad guy too. Like, how did he know which one was him? He, how did he master it in the one time that he was in there? And, and yeah. like, why is the default setting to just reflect <laughs> what's in there? I mean, yeah, wasn't the whole idea to be like, it can be anything. Like you walk in here and it can look like it's, it's or like, I, I, you know, I, I, I'm not much of a Star Trek guy, but I know enough to, like, the newer ones have something called a holodeck. Yeah, that's kind of like what it was. So this movie was directed by a guy named Rawson Marshall Thurber. Uh, <laughs> his first <clears throat> was Dodgeball. I don't know about you guys. I am not actually not a fan of Dodgeball. Um, and I remember thinking he had a very unserious movie. And then I saw an interview with this director and it turns out that, at least according to this interview, he said he left the film for a couple weeks near the end of, uh, like, before it wrapped. Because he was insistent, like, the the, the the artistic integrity of the movie, he wanted um, their team to actually lose and not win. Oh, in Dodgeball? Yeah, yeah. Oh. And it's like, wow, oh. like, what, what an artist. He also directed <laughs> The Mysteries of Pittsburgh. I don't know if you guys saw that. Nope. Um, it's it did not do well in the box office. Uh, Ryan, I would not be surprised if you saw Were the Millers. I know Jason Sudeikis and Jennifer Aniston is in it, but I Catherine, don't. Catherine Hahn, Nick Offerman, Ed Helms. I for some, I don't think I've seen that though for some reason, but I know what it is. Yeah, I, I haven't either. Yeah, and he directed Central Intelligence. So this is quite a mm-hmm. quite the turn for him to to do skyscraper after a number of comedies yeah and so 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 let's talk about so you mentioned that the rock uh is is one legged he has um what what do you call that Uh, not a fake leg it's a prosthetic prosthetic leg but he is still able to do a lot of shit yeah Yeah, like he he climbs up a crane which is insane and then jumps from the crane (laughs) to the building yeah listen that there is i don't care if he was an olympic long jumper he's not making that jump and i would have loved this movie forever if you know he Dude, just jumps died. yeah and if died. he jumps and misses it by like 10 feet and just lands in a mess and then the rest of the movie just like nev campbell is the hero the rest of the like, movie like, and she'd be like, I can't believe he tried that. Like, yeah. what a what a dipshit. Like, all the people are watching, like, TV, the people are watching on the news. Like, oh, my. Oh, he was That wasn't close. even close. <laughs> yeah. 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 And they they kept, so so they had helicopters in the air that kept filming the entire thing. And so they kept filming the rock going up the crane and jumping to the building. And then at one point, he's on the side of the building trying to... Um, I don't know, cut some cables uh, and, and it's all broadcasted and there's an audience on the street just yeah. watching TV and they keep cutting to them. Yeah. I don't yeah. know. <laughs> yeah. They kept cutting the audience cheering. Yeah. And, and so um, most people who watched uh, Star Wars episode two, attack of the clones were like, wow, this is like a video game. Like it's so that, that part where there's that um, where they get to Geonosis to the droid factory and it's like, chunk. Chunk, and they gotta like it, it seems a lot like a video game like oh and then they've got to go through here and then like it seemed like a video game where so there was this helix spinner thing that's that spun in the wind and provided energy to the building and like of course at one point in the movie he had to like go around on the outside of the building mm-hmm. balance and then go inside the helix to like what did he do like flip a switch or something yeah or, and open a door hit, open a door hit a button it's like, what's the hardest thing we can make him do? And then he's going to do that. And it's going to be amazing. It's uh, crazy. So, something I was going to say about, like, you know, how you know, predictable it was. At the beginning of the movie, when uh, his his ex-teammate Pablo Shriver shows up, in which all movies get a little bit better when Pablo Shriver shows up. <laughs> he was the best part of this movie. 
and of course he's only in it for like 20 minutes but as soon as you saw him you knew that he was going to betray him. And yeah, be, yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Like, yeah, like, it wasn't even subtle, the, the no. music that they were playing, yeah. like the background music and everything was... Yeah. Oh. What did you guys say was a fight scene between The Rock and him and Trevor? Uh, it was... I thought it was kind of interesting, just because, like, The Rock was limited by the prosthetic, right. like, by having first, one leg. Yeah, and, the first thing he did was go for his leg, rip his leg off. Yeah. So, it was interesting, like, it was a fight that involved, like, the dishwasher, like, the crash into the dishwasher. Yeah. <laughs> and, like, they, they used, like, elements of a home really interestingly, I thought. <laughs> like, the choreography of the fight, I, I did appreciate. Yeah, uh, that was, yeah, you're, that was probably the best scene in the movie, because the rest of it was uh, kind of stupid. <laughs> I heard this, I heard another podcast talked about this movie, and so... I'd like to think I would have noticed this, but um, I can't take credit for it. So when he's talking to Pablo Shriver and talks about how, oh, I haven't touched a gun in ten years, uh, in something. ten years, you know, he says uh, I laid down my sword and I'm never picking it up again, and how about how he doesn't want to use guns again. But then at, at the end of the movie, he kills a dude with a sword. Yeah, yeah. And it's like, oh, <laughs> yeah. I, I don't, I don't want to shoot people anymore. I want to get I'm right up close. Stab him with a sword. I want to feel the blade going into their. <laughs> Flesh. I, I do have I have two favorite scenes from this movie. Okay. So uh, there's one where uh, Hannah Quinlivan is the name of the actress uh, Sia X I A Sia, okay. however you say that, okay. uh, where she first appears and she tasers uh, the rock. Yeah. That was great. I would love to be tased by her. Uh, and then there's <laughs> another one. So, so to speak. Then there's another one where Campbell uh, and Quinlevin again fight in in the car, in the back seat of the car, and I would love to be stuck in a car with her. So those those two scenes are the highlights of this movie. And I'm, I'm like you like your ladies to get a little violent with you. Nothing wrong with that. Hey, uh, like I listen, I I just heard Tucker Carlson talk about nothing wrong with uh, <laughs> other stuff too. So hey, no judgments. <laughs> It's it's just a 28 year old marrying a 16 year old. It's just interesting habit. How did you guys the like villain. the villain? Well, we didn't really see the villain. Like, like he was he was not even like a a bad villain. Like he just like what owed money to other bad guys or something. Yeah, there, there were like some financial records that um transactions that he wanted to get his hands on. Right, but for, it was for the sake of like other like worse bad guys. Yeah, right? yeah, 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 something it's kind of a proxy. Ones. Yeah. Yeah, we never really got to see the bad guy behind the bad guy. And had they succeeded, like the cops already like went to the site. Like Nev Campbell was a, a very smart lady and figured out the plan anyway. So. And also that Zhao, he was kind of a dick anyway. I mean, <laughs> the Rock's daughter, you know, they're gonna kill her, and he just he throws the throws the drive off of the the building anyway, or whatever he did. Now, okay, so as as re- right as ridiculous and bad as this was, Ryan, I'm curious if if you were at all moved as a dad by by a father willing to go to whatever extreme for his kids. Were you at all emotionally invested in this? No, not at all. <laughs> no. Well, like no, I, I have was, to like so there there are honestly bad when when he when he puts his son and Nev Campbell in that elevator. And, you know, he tells them, you know, just count to whatever and then hit the brake. You'll drop through the fire. And then he takes that axe and he chops the the elevator line. And that elevator took off like it was propelled by rockets. I said, oh, he was trying to kill Nev Nev Campbell the whole time because (laughs) there is no way they're surviving that, you know, somehow. And it's like like they count to five and then they wait like another five (laughs) seconds before they like pull the brake. <laughs> yeah, and and I I thought the idea was just to go below the the fire and then they could you know walk down the steps. But they like they went down to ground level. Like they yeah, had they no room for error at all. Yeah, she barely she barely got it. And I, I would have thought that that would have been a better idea at really any point. Like they didn't have to figure out you know leave on a helicopter, um, <laughs> hang glide off. You could just go down the elevator through the fire. Do, do do you remember? Was it on the sub beacon or was it somewhere else? I saw someone when this movie was released. Someone 
compared it to Die Hard? Well, I think on the sub beacon, they said that, I mean, because the, the, the movie poster looks similar to, to Die Hard's movie poster. I mean, I think, I think the movie was trying to, you know, kind of sell it as a modern day Die Hard. I mean, it's not, I mean, they, they obviously missed everything that made Die Hard good <laughs> and didn't use any of that. They just thought, oh, well, all we need is just, you know, a dad trying to save his family and a building. And then we have Die Hard. <laughs> Those are the most basic elements we need. We need a dad, <laughs> kids, and a building. But this time we're going to make it taller. Is, is Skyscraper a holiday movie? <laughs> uh, I don't believe there were any holidays um, in the midst of this. I mean, okay. it, there, there could have been a, a – yeah, it, they were not acknowledged. It could have been on Lady Day for all we know. Not great. Uh, it is it is worth noting that it had a production budget of about 125 million. Uh, wow. Were worldwide it pulled in 304 ish, 305. That's not good. That's not. So 20 million to The Rock, 90 million for CGI of the of the building. <laughs> I actually I didn't mind like the CGI. I, that's one thing. I didn't mind the CGI in the movie. Like it's it pretty good. A, like it looked, it like it was convincing. It looked like a legit building. Yeah. Yeah, it was just that everything else about it was crap. Uh, what I was saying, like the last time we all three, you know, kind of watched a bad movie, it was Chav King Arthur. I had right. more fun with Chav King Arthur because it was. I don't know. There, it was. It was worse. So it was. I don't know. It was. <laughs> it was more fun to watch this. You you can't I, say it's worse. You, you cannot I, say that's worse. I don't know. It, it was skyscraper was worse in that it was boring to me. Oh, it was it was worse. The the weird part was as 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 bad as so many elements of the movie were is I I I did actually get emotionally involved with uh, the dad trying to save his kids. Oh my gosh. I'm a little surprised by that because it didn't feel like any of the characters had any depth whatsoever and you didn't i didn't, really... I didn't care about any of them right like and you didn't really see much of the kids i don't know like toss them <laughs> off the building i wouldn't really have cared yeah well i that is i mean you said that about my kids and you just spent the day with them so <laughs> you you need to grow a heart do we have any last thoughts on skyscraper well, the greatest sin was that. Did you notice the how the building th- those two little turbines could power the entire building? Like the the shame of it is that that was destroyed in the fire, and that technology couldn't be shared with the world because, boy, two two little turbines to power a two hundred twenty five story building. I I don't think we have that tech. But but did you uh, uh, did you see the last uh, the last scene where on the the chopper at the end and they're asking him what what will you do now and, rebuild uh, yeah <laughs> well and and so the central conspiracy was so the 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 plot hinged on it was like well the bad guy tried to extort the builder of the building to like pay. Was it to pay his workers? Not pay his workers more, but basically pay him. Otherwise, they would shut down production of the building. And he did, but then he like traced the money and kind of um, was able to not... like The, the central plot point was kind of goofy. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, I, I fell asleep on top of my microphone while you were explaining Yeah, that. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Uh, so, speaking of Skyscraper, a movie from 2018, we also thought that we should rank movies from 2017. Re- it has recently come to our attention that uh, Stephen, uh, the SSEU's <laughs> residential pirate, believes that Thor Ragnarok is the best movie of 2017, uh, and, and we have thoughts. We do have thoughts. So, uh, yeah, I mean, first off, that that's ridiculous. Like, looking back on 2017, 2017 was actually a pretty good year for movies, and that's not always obvious when you look at the Oscar nominees. Compiling a top five list, th- there were more than five really good movies. There were probably ten really good movies uh, in 2017. If you if you go through the, the top hundred uh, at, at the box office, there are many of these movies I would consider good and, and a couple that I would consider great. Yeah. 
Cape of Water won Best Picture. Yeah. yeah. Let's see who all the nominees were for Best Picture. Uh, Call Me By Your Name, The Shape of Water, Darkest Hour, Phantom Thread, The Post, Three Billboards, Get Out, and Dunkirk 2. But, like, uh, of of those that... that, uh, Let me me say them again. So, Best Picture Mm -hmm. nominees. Shape of Water, Call Me By Your Name, The Darkest Hour, Dunkirk, Get Out, Lady Bird, Phantom Thread, The Post, and Three Billboards Outside Ebbing, Missouri. Which, by all accounts, I haven't seen it because everyone I know hates it. Three billboards. What's interesting is I would bet that only one of these, one or two of these, made it on each of your top five lists. But let's find out. Uh, who wants to? Uh, what order do you guys want to do? Uh, Ryan goes first, then Chris, and I go last. All right. Uh, my honorable mentions are Wind River and Get Out. Number five for me is Logan Lucky. I think Logan Lucky is one of the most rewatchable movies of recent years. I've probably seen it two or three times and i think i like it more every time they talked about this on uh, the sub beacon right yeah the, la- the last so. episode no it is the, i like compared to the star wars movies in logan lucky adam driver i think he's great yeah he, i like his he west is, virginia accent i like daniel craig's small part <laughs> in it he's yeah great as the hillbilly uh <laughs> bomb expert right <laughs> yeah I, I really like that movie Okay, hey, Thomas. Thomas, you're a big, you're a big, uh, you're a big heist movie guy. Yeah. Yeah. No, I I really enjoy it. Uh, I'm, I mean, it's not quite as good as Ocean's Eleven, but it is really enjoyable. I've seen it. I've seen it twice. I think. I gotta be honest. I like. I liked it, and I liked the performances. Really, of of all kind of the main characters besides uh, what's his face. I agree with Sonny that um the the race car driver, the the Family Guy guy, oh, like he, he could have oh, been right. totally. He could have been totally eliminated from the movie. Like that character added nothing. That was weird. To, to, to the it was it was kind of weird. Like was there more of a part here that it just it, it didn't make sense in the course of the movie. Yeah. So anyway, I have a I have two a tie at number five uh, with two films, and these are both films that I really really like, which shows just how strong okay. of a year it was. Um, Thor Ragnarok. I watched it again today. It is so funny. The soundtrack is by Mark Mothersbaugh, who um, is a very gifted um, uh, musician, uh, uh, composer. He does a lot of the Wes Anderson uh, soundtracks and just a really different kind of soundtrack. It is so funny and so good. There are so many good things, so many good performances in Thor Ragnarok. If you haven't seen this, it's on Netflix, and it, Netflix is so good. And so the tie between Ragnarok and John Wick, too. I love John Wick. I, I'm not a big Keanu Reeves guy. But um, I love him as John Wick. He is uh, he's outstanding, and I can't wait for John Wick three. Here's what I will give uh, Thor Ragnarok. It is one of the maybe top three Marvel movies. I've seen about half of the Marvel movies, uh, and out of the ones I've seen, it is in the top three. Like it is, it is hilarious. It is so funny. Jeff Goldblum. Uh, oh, it's so funny. And, and it's it's so rewatchable, too. I've only seen it once in theaters. I haven't seen it since. It's on but, Netflix. I mean, just pop it on in the background. See, see I, I, don't like, I don't really feel like any of these movies is worth seeing more than once. Re- like, out of the Marvel movies. I never have a desire to see them again. Well, that's, you're, you have established that you're a garbage person, so. My number five uh, is Baby Driver. Uh, which, you know, of course, these days, that's problematic. That's, that's right. You're a big Kevin Spacey guy, aren't you? <laughs> I love Kevin Spacey. Uh, and, and I love... As a, as a man, not as... I really like that movie, too. I should have put the... Yeah, <laughs> probably could have. But, yeah, I mean, I didn't even put it in my, whatever, top seven, but it it's right there. Yeah, and again, like, I'm not sure. You probably wouldn't call it a heist film but, but like it's an action film like it yeah. has this criminal element uh what's his name uh ansel igort elgort what's his name yeah it, it's just it's so enjoyable and again just like with thor ragnarok uh, the soundtrack is great uh, yeah the action scenes Driver. are like set to the beats of yeah. the music yeah so i i really enjoy baby driver ryan you're number four john wick two it's great i like like the first one and i think i even like the second one better but uh yeah when is the third one supposed to come out does anyone know uh, 
this year. I don't know what. I don't know when this year. Yeah, it's it's this year. Is it? I don't remember if it's May or June or July. Anyone who listens to this has probably seen both John Wicks, sure. and if you if yeah. you haven't, you. You should. We should. We should hope so. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Chris, your number four. My number four is Wind River, and and that's kind of how this, this, that that's how this discussion kind of started. Is that <laughs> I've discovered that uh, there's a lot of people who haven't seen it, and it is so good. Like probably one of the it, top top movies of the top ten years of the last ten it, years. Is it on Hulu? <laughs> it's it's on Netflix. Oh 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 okay okay. But but check Crackle and and all the all the. <laughs> it, this it, is uh, the one that. Taylor Sheridan wrote and directed, right? Because he wrote Taylor Sheridan wrote uh, Hell or High Water, um, but he didn't direct it. I think this one he wrote and directed. I can't remember. Wow. So I feel like we have talked about this movie before at some point. But Chris, can you like yeah. just reiterate why you love it so much? Um, it's it's really beautifully shot. Um, it is so it, it takes place in the Wind River uh, Indian Reservation in Wyoming. And it's what's kind of interesting to me is that Wyoming for me is is kind of a paradise of, of wilderness and mountains and, and unexplored hiking trails and this and that. Um, if you live there, especially if you live on an Indian reservation, life is very, very bleak. Indian reservations are very bleak places. Uh, sexual assault is rampant. Uh, there's just poverty, um, mm-hmm. substance abuse. It's a uh, th- there's just systemic issues going on um, on Indian reservations. And like I, I kind of had a personal connection with this. Um, I lived uh, 20 miles, uh, 20 minutes from a Indian reservation. And, and many of those students um, went to high school. I mean, the, by, by many, it was like, you know, maybe five of my classmates uh, mm-hmm. in, in my small class were from the Indian reservation. And so, so like I have a connection to just kind of Native American culture and, and reservation life. So although a different reservation, different tribes, th- this is a story about the murder of uh, a young woman is, is found dead. And in fact, um, she has a, a personal connection to Jeremy Renner. Tribal police and local police are kind of hampered in, in dealing with crime on reservations. This FBI agent, Elizabeth Olson, is called in to deal with it. She's a rookie. She like it shows her. There's it's kind of interesting in this, this opening scene. It shows her. Um, she, I think Jeremy Renner pulls the the price tag off her coat. Like she's mm-hmm. never really like been in a cold area before. Um, and, and they work on this case together and um, it, it's just a r- really powerful story. I, I really don't want to say anything, anything yeah, else to, yeah. to ruin no. it. Yeah. So, yeah. So this is also my number four. It is beautifully shot. It really yeah. uses yeah. nature and the landscape and, and mm-hmm. like the setting of the movie in a brilliant way. Elizabeth yeah. Olsen is the best part about the movie. There, there is, there is uh, like a shootout scene in the movie without yeah. giving away too much. There is one of those scenes. That's really good too. Yeah. It, that that's amazing. It is so good. It just strikes you as being so much more realistic than what you get in a lot of other movies. Yeah. Uh, and so, yeah. Uh, Good shows. Good shows. I, ur- I urge everyone to watch this movie. It is so good. Ryan, number three. Three is. Thor Ragnarok. I think it's great. Uh, I, I think it's one of the funniest movies in a long time. And I think that uh, Taika Waititi is one of the best comedic directors working today. Um, he uh, also directed What We Do in the Shadows, which is like a fake uh, vampire documentary. It's also now going to be a, uh, a series on FX. But he's uh, connected to the guys from Flight of the Concords. He's but I think like he, him directing this movie and even being in this movie, to me that just like puts it, put so, it over the top from being just like really good and really so, funny. So question, question. So is this your favorite Marvel movie? Uh, yeah, I think so. I mean, just in terms of, uh, I mean, I, I've, I've watched it multiple times. Yeah, I definitely enjoyed this more than any other Marvel movie. Chris, number three. Number three, Blade Runner 2049. And again, so like, so it's funny that the movie <laughs> that, I've been, that I've been raving about Wind River ended up as number four, but that's just because it has really good, like, like all-time great movies, like Blade Runner 2049. On a previous episode, we talked about how good this was, how good <laughs> Ryan Gosling's performance was, the cinematography, it, like... Uh, I mean, this is another movie that is eminently rewatchable. Pop it on. Like, you don't even have to listen to it, although the sounds are great. Just visually, it's amazing. It's 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 a tr- just a, a wonderful achievement. Yeah. 
Yeah. My third is John Wick 2. I love both John Wick movies. I think that they are the model for like what, what an action flick should be like today. Nothing more to add. Your runner-up, Ryan. Second place. Uh, Dunkirk. Uh, we've spent a lot of time talking mm-hmm. about it. It's It's great. I love it. Okay, I'm really curious what your number two is, Chris, because I think I know what your number one is. Dunkirk is my number two. Then, what the... F- okay, never mind. I, so, I'm a Christopher yeah. Nolan fanboy. I have um, no idea what said, his number what one was is. It, what, what, was it Steven who said that like it wasn't emotional or something? or so, Someone... Someone said it wasn't like it didn't grab like it was technically proficient. I don't understand how yeah it's, you watch that. It don't, like he like he simulated feel. drowning. Like it was it was a very yeah. visually uh, yeah. evocative film. Yeah. Yeah, I've heard people describe Dunkirk as being boring. Ugh. Just like just this, go- the scene on the on, on the on the boat where that the one guy that they they pull out of the water and he accidentally. Um, breaks that kid's neck by you know yeah. pushing him down the stairs and just that the other kid you know makes the decision on his own just to tell him that oh he's fine uh, yeah or or, like, or 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 other other scenes in the movie that are just so great when they are reading Winston Churchill's uh, speech yeah, yeah. Uh, the 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 dog fights or when Kenneth Branagh is standing on the dock looking out at the boats coming to France and he's looking in the binoculars and they ask him what do you see and he says home yeah it, it is it is a terrific movie. It is number one on my list. Number two uh, is Blade Runner 2049. Uh, Dunkirk's amazing. And if you call it boring, you should have your head checked or go play in traffic. One of the two. I don't care which. Uh, my number two is, yeah, Blade Runner. My number one is Dunkirk. Ryan, what's your number one? Blade Runner. Okay, which is also um, a reasonable choice, I think. That's why I said that I think there are a couple of truly great movies from this year, like both Dunkirk and Blade Runner 2049 are. And Wind River. And, yeah, it's number four in your list. What's number one, Chris? Wonder Woman. Uh, <laughs> I was looking over the list. I was trying to figure out, like, what what did I miss yeah. that he's got number one? Patty Jenkins, Magnum Opus, Wonder Woman. Um, <laughs> it's got lots of lady power. Um, it's got an island full of ladies. It's it's the best movie of the year. To be honest, I didn't even think that we were allowed to put it on any kind of a list because it was just so obvious that yeah, it was the it's, best? Just, yeah. it's just it's yeah. just assumed. Okay. And if uh, don't you know. Speaking of International Lady Day, so Emma Watson uh, definitely celebrated it, and she is in Beauty Beauty and the Beast. Did either of you see this one? Nope. Nope. Okay. The, the unnecessary live action uh, well, see, remake I, of the classic animated yeah. feature. <laughs> like I, I, these are so unnecessary. I, I don't understand why they're making all of these. What? So if you see it and you see Emma Watson in that yellow dress, you will no longer think that it is unnecessary. Okay, Vic. <laughs> so, uh, Stephen, Stephen, you're you're wrong. <laughs> this whole episode is about <laughs> throwing down in Stephen. <laughs> That's not all we're doing. Okay, uh, do we have uh, do we have anything else that we want to get to today? Uh, hot tub dialogues. Oh yeah, we we have a new hot tub dialogue. Same procedure as last time, I guess. Uh, Ryan, you do you want to read the the lady lines? Uh, yes, uh, hang on a second. I had that happen earlier. Okay, are you ready? I'm ready. Hey there, handsome. Uh, uh, me? Yeah, yeah. Hi, hi, hello. Yeah, you. I'm Sandy. You look great. How, uh, uh, well, thanks. Are you, uh, are you, are you doing today? I mean, hi, how are you? Better now that I'm here with you. What's cracking? Honestly, I was just thinking about the constructivist critique of the neorealists. During constructivism's formative period, neorealism was the dominant discourse of international relations. Much of constructivism's initial theoretical work 
challenged basic neorealist assumptions. So neorealists are fundamentally causal structuralists in that they hold that the majority of important content to international politics is explained by the structure of the international system. Constructivism challenges this assumption by showing that the causal powers attributed to the structure by neorealists are in fact not given, but rest on the way in which structure is constructed by social practice. So removed from presumptions about the nature of the identity and interests of the actors in the system and the meaning that social institutions, including anarchy, have for such actors, neorealism's structure reveals... What are you talking about? I'm a woman. (laughs) (laughs) Hold hold on. Shut up. I'm not finished. So neorealist conclusions uh, as such depend entirely on unspoken and unquestioned assumptions about the way in which the meaning of social institutions are constructed by actors. So crucially, because neorealists fail to recognize this dependence, they falsely assume that such meanings are unchangeable and exclude the study of the processes of social construction, which actually do the key explanatory work behind neorealist observations. Wait, wait, hey, where are you going? I'm joking. Oh, well, I'm joking. Let's, go, let's go back to my place. <laughs> I'm, I'm totally joking. That All of that is just a, a bunch of horseshit some pseudo-academic wrote on Wikipedia. But you probably noticed that. I mean, of course you did. Constructivists are morons who have no grasp of the word as it actually works. I'm much more of an adherent of the neorealist school. What? Hey, leave. don't leave. Did you hear what I said? Neorealist rock, come back. Boy, that, that you was... Not, you lost her. Did not, like... I, it's like neorealists and constructivism. It's it's a really hot button issue, and you never know which side people will fall. You know, sort what? of like what? so sort of like yeah. the Me Too what? movement. It, it, I think this oh, is really, really tell me about both sides of the Me Too movement, Thomas. I, I <laughs> Please think, do. Uh, Good people on both sides. <laughs> Give me the Kevin Spacey side, please. Uh, I also believe that our executive producer has promised us that there's going to be a poem soon, right? Yeah, I think we need to figure out a time to have him call in and read it for us. Yeah. Okay, so um, do we have so anything just, else? This there's a, sh- there's a show on Showtime that's been on for the last couple of years called Smilf. I've never seen it, but it's uh, created by this woman, Frankie Shaw. And Showtime just uh, shut it down because of uh, misconduct on the set due to not keeping the set closed during sex scenes, which voided uh, after repeated um, instances of just people wandering onto the set during sex scenes, voided one of the stars, uh, this actress's um, contract. And then the writer's rooms were organized by race. (laughs) What? <laughs> what? Like, yeah. si- sitting around the table, like... That's... Uh, multiple oh. writers brought allegations to the WGA that um, the the writers' rooms were... Uh, ha- there was race-based separation in the writers' rooms. Uh, and that was, uh, like, the the creator of the show, like, mandated, mandated it to be that way. So yeah. was the was the show called Smilf S M I L F? Yeah, S M I F L F. I don't even know. Okay. <laughs> and I, it's had two seasons. They were about they were going to be filming the third season, but it it got shut down. I guess uh, Showtime says they're doing an investigation into Hollywood's insane. This conflict on the set. Uh, so. I believe. Uh, that is all the time we are giving to this episode. Uh, tune in next time for we're going to discuss what grocery store robots, uh, and we'll think <laughs> of some movies to talk about as well. Uh, find us on sseupodcast.com. Uh, subscribe to our podcast. Uh, download them, listen to them, and laugh with us or cry. <laughs>
I have I have one more thing I wanted to talk about uh, before before we leave. I wanted to very briefly talk about uh, what happened uh, on on Twitter and in conservative media last weekend. Whoa. Uh, so, <clears throat> uh, in- forget that. I'm sorry. I'd prefer to forget it, but go on. <laughs> um, so uh, last uh, weekend was, or last week, I guess, was CPAC. And uh, the Bulwark decided to send a liberal uh, writer to CPAC to cover it for them. And uh, while at CPAC, Molly Jungfast tweeted about abortion and made fun of conservatives and tweeted some things that... Uh, CPAC attendees and conservatives around the country did not really appreciate, and it got the bulwark in in some hot water. I don't really want to talk about that. So I think that you can make a reasonable argument. Uh, JVL makes this on the bulwark's uh, website that they actually it's not wrong to send uh, a more liberal writer to CPAC to cover it because you're treating it with the seriousness that it deserves. But I can also see concerns on behalf of those like Alexandra DeSantis suggest or argues that it undermines the pro-life movement. So I think that there is a good faith argument to make on, on both sides on, on whether this was a good idea or not, but that's the decision the bulwark made and people can keep arguing about that. What I wanted to talk about is that in association with this, some writers who do not have good intentions started to attack the bulwark because of the bulwark's funding. And they started to accuse the bulwark of taking money from liberal slash very liberal donors for their publication. So uh, Ryan, do you want to summarize this briefly for us? Yeah, I will try to. So basically, a lot of people have written stories and claimed that at credible radi- websites radi- like, radical, like Breitbart and uh, yeah, John um, Nolte at Breitbart, uh, but it, it looks like he kind of just took from because I think I think Emerald Robinson was the first one. It may have been Julie Kelly. I get them confused to claim that Pierre Omid Omidyar. Omidyar, founder of eBay, who's pretty progressive, far left. You know, he gave them $600,000. And so basically, if you try to look this up, because the bulwark said, no, he did not give us any money. But people keep writing stories and claiming that, yeah, yeah, he did. You took money from him. And so I think what most people went to was this website called Influence Watch. And they try to, you know, keep track of who is giving money to what organizations are kind of a watchdog group. Bill Kristol started defending democracy together, uh, which DDT. That's what he started creating those ads like Republicans for the rule of law. It is a 501c is a, yeah, is a 501c4. And it also has a super PAC. Omidyar did give a $600,000, well, two $300,000 donations to Defending Democracy Together. And so, whatever, you can think of that, uh, what you want. The publisher of The Bulwark is a separate group called uh, Defending Democracy Together Institute. And even though they have similar names, they're these separate organizations. They are a... uh, 501c3 i think mm-hmm. yeah non-profit and, yep and so but the thing is just because omidyar gave six hundred thousand dollars to defending democracy together does not mean that defending democracy together institute which is the bulwark got a dime of that money but the problem is on influence watch's website so they have a different page for each for any organization that they're tracking They have a separate page for them. So they have a Defending Democracy Together page, which is the 501c4. And they also have a page for the Defending Democracy Together Institute, which is what the the publisher of the board. For some reason, on the page for Defending Democracy Together Institute, under funding, they list the donation to Defending Democracy Together. They don't they don't like technically say that it went to Defending Democracy Together Institute, but they list the donation from Omidyar on the Institute page. Uh, Like I said, I I said, uh, like I'm an actual idiot 
And <laughs> I can like look at this page and say, hey, this is wrong. They shouldn't have put this, the Defending Democracy Together Institute's page, because it makes it kind of look like these two groups are the same when they're not the same. A journalist should obviously be able to tell, like, okay, just because this Influence Watch website has it listed there, that doesn't, it shouldn't be there. But that that seems to be where everybody just looked at that website, saw what they wanted to see, and then wrote their stories. So here's the problem. So for anyone who's actually interested in this, in this topic and who has been tweeting about it, they are not actually interested in where the in figuring out exactly where the bulwark got their money from, they are interested in smearing the bulwark right. in any way that they can. And so if it seems like they got money from Mao Zedong, that's what they are going to run with. Yeah, the names are similar enough to that they can just go with the gray area. They, I mean, they don't care what, you know, what the actual truth is. Like, it sounds like they're the same thing. So we can just say that they are. And, you know, then if you if anybody tries to say, well, no, those are actually different things. Those are, oh, well, you're that's semantics or whatever. Yeah. And and, and and so so here's the thing, like you, you can have you can have an actual debate and an argument about whether the bulwark should have sent Molly John fast to CPAC or not. And I think you can make a reasonable argument that they should and one that they should not have. But to instead start to attack the bulwark because of this flimsy claim that they received money from their liberal overlords and that's their mission and they're not actual conservatives and they are cucks and whatever else was floating around on Twitter last weekend, just fuck off. This is not how people who want to claim to be serious journalists or serious opinion columnists should behave in public. These are not the kind of claims you should be making. You should put in at least five minutes of brain power and figure out that this is not the case. I mean, just a little bit of intellectual honesty. And the, the, the war between conservatives is bad enough as, as it is. And right, it's yeah. probably I mean, going to heat up. That's the worst part about this this whole episode is is it was a week ago Saturday that like the conservative co- the tiny conservative coalition decided yeah this coalition is too big let's let's whittle <laughs> let's 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 just like let's have a giant civil war here um and and it, it was totally started by the I, I don't even know what to call them but the people who don't like that that the bulwark the the work of the bulwark which has been to to be a, a, a correction of the of the right, to be ideally being a conservative means you police your own, and um, which is what the bulwark has sought to do to say to to kind of redefine and and in, in the Trump era, like like what what is conservatism? Like what like in in this new era of Trump, where it can mean anything, it can mean tariffs, it can mean um, massive public works projects, it can mean all kinds of things that ten years ago would not be considered conservative. To 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 to, to be a uh, corrective from the right um, is is unthinkable to some. Right, and it is possible to it is possible to have a civil civil war about these things. So it might end up. It absolutely uh, is, and it, and it should be what we should seek. Right. Like it might be in five years that conservatism, as people use it or what it means, doesn't actually mean the things that we were taught, I don't know, 10 years ago or something along those lines. Maybe having higher tariffs becomes the dominant mainline conservative policy position. And I'm not going to say that I'm fine with that kind of development, but as long as there's a debate about it and it's not dishonest and it is intellectually consistent, then, you know, it, it, that's the movement they want. They can have it. But it's, the dishonesty really grates on me. I mean, so just to, to sum up, hopefully we can move towards a place where we can just make podcasting great again. Hashtag Mpaga. Um, <laughs> that will be the conversations we'll be having in five years.